very much. Well, it's good to be here. And it's great to see so many people here. Some of you um, were either in meetings or didn't make it for last night. Can I really recommend that you download, if that's the right phrase, or get a CD of, or whatever, um, Williams' talk. It was really helpful. It went at breakneck speed. And it's worth just hearing it a few times to get some of these arguments clear in our minds so that as we're chatting with people, uh, we can use it. It really was helpful. I'm not just saying that. I, I just recommend it. Get hold of that. Now, he who doesn't use propaganda is a proper goose. So, I want to leave a few bits and pieces along with you. Uh, praise God for all that you've been able to accomplish during the, the summer weeks. And of course, we never know quite what happens. I've been involved in Kirby for the last three years. This year, we interviewed twice a guy called Kevin. Now, we never knew about Kevin, but two years ago, um, he came along to the events that we were running in the town centre. I chatted with him, no doubt many others did as well. And that was it, you know. Uh, he's in his 50s, um, he's had a tough life. But a few months later, he went to the little church, only 14 people go to that church, he went to the little church, talked to the pastor, and he said, I want you to come with me to the police station. They went to the local police station, and he said, for 37 years I've been a burglar. But on August, whatever it was, 2011, I stopped. And so they said, oh, right, why? Uh, he said, I heard this guy talking about Jesus Christ, and I asked him to become my Lord and Saviour, and all that life is gone. And, um, well, they were staggered, of course. They said, we, we, we may have to prosecute. But in the end, they just asked him to be under the supervision of social workers for some time. But wonderful conversion time. But we never knew about it. That was months later. So it's great to have these reports about this person and that person, etc. But there'll be many others that we've no idea about. Now, up there are loads of excellent exhibitions. And please do have a look at them. They are super. Talk with the people on them. Big bookstore. They've got some reduced books. They've got other books, etc. It's a free thing. All you've got to do is say, can I have that book on the Book of Acts? And it's free, etc. And um, New John's Gospels, etc. And of course, some tracks, let me mention. Tracks. Um, I will get to the Word of God, I promise you. Um, a brand new Christmas leaflet called Born to be King. And it has a picture of Prince William and what's his wife's name? I've So we've got the tracks, but hot off the press, we've got them today as well. Uh, same cover, same title, but longer, and some Bible passages, little booklet, to go in Christmas cards, to distribute. At Christmas, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to give away literature. So have a look at those. Now, this is The tracks are basically 5p each, some, some a little bit more expensive. If you are young, or a student, or whatever, and you think, oh, I'd like to buy a few hundred, but I haven't got the money, I'd love you just to come and say, I'd like some, but I can't afford you money. Just take them, as long as you promise to use them and not hold up your wardrobe or whatever else. Um, on the bookstore as well, I brought a load of evangelistic books that are in the shops, much more expensive, on Amazon, much more expensive, and they're just a pound. Ooh. Oh, I'm probably your to a person there. I think many of you know Gorilla Christians, 65 questions that non-Christians ask with answers. Interestingly, it'll be ready in two or three weeks, there's a new book. This is answering questions that Christians, are, sorry, non-Christians ask us. There's a new book I've got coming out called um, Before You Say I Don't. And this is asking non-Christians <coughs> questions. Do you really believe all this came about from nothing? Have you ever looked at the evidence for the resurrection? 
Do you think there's no meaning to life? And uh, do you accept that, you know, when you're dead, you're done for? 35 questions for long questions. But this one's answering the questions. Just a pound. There are children's books of just a pound. The Lost Sheep, as told on UPN, but in poetry. Uh, just to ask how we do it. Um, I've done a little devotional as well, 52 uh, weekly readings on evangelism called Facing a Task Unfinished. And if this weekend stirs you in that way to start praying that you'll be more effective in evangelism, then you might like to get there. Uh, tonight I'm going to be speaking on the subject of Philip, the evangelist. And I've read loads of books around it. Um, the best, without a doubt, I'm not saying it because he's here, was God's Early Evangelist by Trevor Knight. Uh, evangelist, rather. It is excellent. It's a wonderful book. Unfortunately, it's out of print now. We've got a few in the bookstore. Trevor's got a few as well. I just recommend it. It's highly, it's highly readable and very, very helpful. And if I tell you some of the people I read about Philip, you know, these mighty names, this is, I don't know, far better than all. I don't know whether you realise, but I'm committed to getting out tracks. I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, to my mind, it's one of the best ways to just turn inconsequential chatter into significant conversations. I use tracks just to turn a conversation in a shop or on a bus or a train, or whoever, people I'm just bumping into. Oh, just before I go, can I just give you this little Christian... I was at, I was at the circus last week. I haven't been to the circus for 40-odd years, but I had to look after three little grandsons. And so I said, let's go to the circus. How could I have got into conversation with people from Moscow State Circus? Except I've got some tracks, and we began to talk to various people, etc. They weren't all receptive, but there was one who was. I had a lovely chat with him about the Lord, and it was because I could say, can I just give you a little Christian leaflet to read? And it's so easy to do that. I really would love to spend a whole session on saying, arm yourself with tracks, never go anywhere without a Christian leaflet tucked in your pocket or your bag or whatever it is. Seek to use them and lose them. But that's not my subject. So, what I thought I'd do, you know, on the way out, and I think some of you up there, so I'll have to cover that door down here, I'd like to give you all a little leaflet, if I may, called, Who Can Track a Tract? This isn't to give away to non-Christians. This is for you. Okay, you're a Christian. Oh, you are a dozy lot, aren't you? <laughs> Pinch yourself and make sure you're still alive. If you're not, you can come and join my friend up there. My heart, my heartless Christian. He was a UBM last year. <laughs> Actually, I got it last week in Costco, my skeleton. Um, if I was willing to pay a little bit more, they call this one Spurgeon. If I was willing to pay more, I could have got Martin Luther. <laughs> I think we'd better get down to the Bible, don't you? Acts chapter 1, verse 8 is what we're looking at. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So, 40 years have passed. Sorry, not 40 years, 40 days have passed since Jesus rose from the dead. He is about to ascend to heaven. Now, as we heard yesterday from, from Pete, Dr. Luke has already given us Luke's Gospel, written for this man, Theophilus. And now he gives us the book of Acts. He ends Luke's Gospel with Jesus' final words before he makes his way to the place where he's going to ascend. And uh, it's interesting what he says to those disciples. Sometimes we sort of miss this great commission at the end of Luke's Gospel, because of Matthew and Mark, etc. But this is what it says at the end of Luke. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, 
and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. If you look at that last verse, you get the three persons of the Trinity in the one verse. And then he goes with his disciples to um, the place of ascension. And basically, he repeats what he's just said, and then he ascends to heaven. And it's this repetition of what Jesus said on Mount Olives that we are looking at. These are Jesus' final words that he speaks on earth. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. His final words. Actually, they are the key to understanding the whole book of Acts. Because really, what we read in verse 8 is unfolded in the following chapters. Chapters 1 to 7, we have the early Christians witnessing in Jerusalem. Actually, in chapter 2 as well, we have the receiving of power. Power coming from on high. Then chapters 8 to 11, we have them witnessing in Judea and in Samaria. And then... Chapters 12 to 28, we have them witnessing to the ends of the earth. Remember, just a few weeks earlier, the Lord Jesus had been crucified. He carried on himself the sin of the world. He was buried. And then he rose from the dead. And now he's leading these people he's been with for the last few years. And yet they're going to be taking him and his message to the ends of the earth. I don't know whether you know the name John Masefield. He's, he sort of got out of fashion, but he was a playwright of some years ago. And he wrote a book called The Trial of Jesus. In it, he has the Roman centurion, and he gives him a name, but that doesn't matter. The Roman centurion, who stood at the foot of the cross, talking with Pontius Pilate's wife. And she says, do you think he is dead? And he replied, no, lady, I don't. Then where is he? She asks, and he replies, let loose on the world where neither Roman nor Jew can stop the truth. But it's an interesting sort of line or two. But that's exactly it. The Lord Jesus Christ has sent his spirit, back to send his spirit, and the disciples are going to go and be witnesses. And Jesus is laying down here in the very clearest of terms his mission for those who follow him. And it's his mission until his return. So there we are, we're speaking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. We want them to trust him. We want them to repent and believe and find forgiveness and reconciliation to God. We want all those things. But what happens as soon as somebody begins to believe, they become witnesses. I'll speak a little bit more about this tonight. But it's quite important to understand, not everybody is an evangelist. There are According to Ephesians, there are people whose special gifting from God is that of the evangelist. But not everybody is an evangelist. Pastors are told by the Apostle Paul, as he speaks to Timothy, to do the work of the evangelist. But pastors may not necessarily be evangelists by natural gifting. But nevertheless, they're to do the work of the evangelist. So there are evangelists, pastors doing the work of the evangelist. But every Christian is a witness. And to be a witness. And Jesus says, look... You shall be witnesses to me. So he's not saying to us, we are to be lawyers to defend 
Jesus and Christian truth or to prosecute error. There are people who can do that and they do it very effectively. Praise God for them. But he's not saying this is what you must do. He's not saying go into all the world and spread our culture. We, 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 you know, we're used to our culture but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best or the right one. No, we're to be witnesses to him. 29 times in the book of Acts the word in a noun form or a verb witness appears. We are to be witnesses. And we are to be witnesses of Jesus. We're speaking about him. We may have a great testimony. I often use my testimony in sharing with people how I became a Christian, but really I don't want to speak about me. I want to speak about him, about Jesus. I want to pave the way as quickly as I can to start speaking about him, his life, his death, his rising again, and his call, his invitation to come to him and find forgiveness and new life. So, while Jesus is representing us in heaven, we are to be reflecting him on earth. Now, when Jesus spoke these words, just imagine the sheer shock of the early hearers. Go and do witnesses to me in Jerusalem. And you sort of read between the lines. I don't know whether you read between the lines when you're reading the Bible. I find some fascinating bits between the lines, but some of them could be wrong. But nevertheless, they amuse me. But in reading between the lines, you go and be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. But they just crucified you there. And Judea. Judea. They, they, they really didn't want to, to hear. They rejected you there. And in Samaria. Samaria. But they're mixed race. They're, they're not actually, they're not like us. And to the uttermost ends of the earth, the uttermost ends of the earth, they're Gentiles. That's how they would have been thinking. It was staggering for them to hear these words, which have become very familiar to us. Jesus is saying, when he died, he died for the world. Now go and tell the world of his love, of his death, of his call. And these people became burdened for men and women and boys and girls. And burdened, yes, for everything that is going on in the world around. But actually, the burden begins with our unreached neighbours. But it spreads to the unreached nations. So do I have a responsibility for those who live around me? Yes, I do. Do I have a responsibility for those that I've never met, never seen, never been to their lands in different parts of the world? <coughs> yes, I do. I have a son who works amongst university students in New Zealand, and he got a, a note recently from one of his, one of the people who said he wanted to receive a prayer partner. He said, a prayer letter, he said, don't send it to me anymore, please. New Zealand is not on my radar. But New Zealand is on God's radar. And okay, we can't take on board everything. I understand that. But nevertheless, the peoples of the world are on the heart of God and they should be on the heart of we who are believers. And the amazing thing is, Jesus spoke these words and within one generation, within 30 years, the gospel has gone throughout the then known world it's even penetrated into Caesar's palace. And for those of you who live in Liverpool, that is not a nightclub. Okay. It's come into the very hierarchical structure of the empire. And it's impacted there. So this is God's strategy. And I want us quickly to examine it. First, this strategy involves God, obviously. 
the promise of the Father. He speaks of the promise of the Father. That's the Holy Spirit in Luke and again in Acts. You shall receive power. Now the power that he's speaking of is, of course, from the Holy Spirit. This is authority and ability. So when I go out day by day into my little world, my environment, I am actually going out into God's world. This is my Father's world. And even if they say, you're not allowed to say anything here. No, no, no. This is God's world. I have the right. I have the authority. It comes from God himself to speak. Now, as a Christian, I need power. I, like you, we all face huge temptations. Sometimes they almost make us tremble because they're so overwhelmingly powerful. I need a power to, be, to resist lust and greed, and materialism, and laziness, and, well, I could go on. I, I need the power to resist this. They drag, they drag me down, they drag us down. But I don't know that here the focus is on the power to live the godly life. Yes, we need it, but it's power to speak, power to witness. And, of course, in the next chapter, and Jason will be speaking about this shortly, there is the, the story of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came on these early Christians and it changed a hesitant, half-hearted company of believers into a body that would go into the world and really be used of God to turn it upside down. Actually, when you read, I don't know, Jason may disagree with me, when you read Acts chapter 2, you read this sermon that was preached at Pentecost, there's nothing particularly remarkable about the content of the sermon, but God took it. And used it. And the world was never going to be the same again. That one message, God using it, was to change the course of history. He said, oh, it just doesn't seem to happen like that for me. I was in Mablethorpe or Blaisdown. And it was just hard to get anybody to listen. I have found very helpful, and some of you have heard me say this before, but it's one of the sort of life-guiding principles for me. The story of Ezekiel. He was a bit of a maverick, an eccentric preacher, but I'm quite drawn to eccentric. Anyway, we'll leave that. <laughs> and uh, uh, he, he was a real character, called to be a preacher, a prophet, by the river Chibar in, in Babylon as a young man who should really have become a priest, but no God called him to be a prophet. And amazing things happened to him. Do you remember the occasion when he was taken to the valley, which was full of dry, dead, decaying bones? And God spoke to Ezekiel and said, Ezekiel, look ahead and beside and behind you. And all you see are these dry bones, these dead bones. Now, Ezekiel, can these bones live? What would you have said to that? Are you going to say, no, to Almighty God? But he said, yeah, God, doesn't look like it really. So he's very, very wise. He said, Lord, you know. That's a good answer. I have no idea, Lord. Then God said, Ezekiel, speak to these bones. Now, if you know what that feels like, have a word with your pastor next week. <laughs> what does it feel like to speak to dead, dry, decaying bones? <laughs> well, he began to speak, you know what happened, there was a movement, a rattling, and the sort of bones started to come into, together with bone, what is it, the foot bone, Jones, the ankle bone, the ankle bone, there's a song about it. Anyway, and suddenly, all around him, was an army of my friends. An army of skeletons, thousands of them. So what would you do? 
we just kept preaching. And uh, suddenly these skeletons become covered with, with muscles and tendons and flesh. And now all around him, if you think that is scary, it was an army of corpses, dead bodies. And then God said, Ezekiel, son of man, speak to the wind, the breath, the spirit. And he did. And the wind, the breath, the spirit came. And suddenly this dead army of corpses became a mighty living army. Now he's speaking about the nation of Israel and, and that's fascinating. But there's a principle here which I found very helpful. The word of God, which Ezekiel preached, plus the spirit of God who came, equals, brings about new life, new birth. So I give away a tract to the person I'm sitting next to on a train or standing next to in a bus queue. I have a little chat with them, give them one. It's the word of God. But then I'm, I'm praying, Lord, take that and use it to bring new life. Why do we pray? We need the spirit of God to take the word of God that we're proclaiming. So this is God's strategy for reaching the world. It involves him. It does involve him. God takes our messages and uses them to speak to different people. But secondly, it includes us, which is a tremendous act of grace. Witness the recurring theme in the book of Acts, but it is, it is men and women witnessing, speaking. Suddenly they'd understood what it was all about. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Pentecost changed these people completely. For the first time, the, the ancient parchments, which had been so revered in their synagogues, came alive. For the first time, the Lamb of God was recognized for who he was and what he'd done. Old Testament sacrifices, they began to make sense. They, they were all pictures of Jesus. And they went out with a sense of wonder and awe. And they spoke, saying, look, all that's happened was fulfilling what the prophets had said. Now today, there is no need for us to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. He is waiting for us. He's come. As soon as we trust him, he comes to live within us and then empowers us to witness. That's what we're all about. We witness to what we've seen and heard. That Jesus is God who has come in the flesh. That he went to the cross and he died carrying on himself the weight of the world's sin all laid on Jesus. That he was buried, he rose from the dead, he's ascended to heaven. One day he's coming back as Lord and King, but today he calls us to repent and believe and receive it. This is our message, and we're to be witnesses to this. We witness with words, and we witness with works. I hate the sentence of Francis of Assisi, who said that we're to speak to people about the gospel. Witness, by all means witness, and if necessary, Use words. If Francis of Assisi is in heaven, oh, I don't know, but if he is, I'm going to throttle him. <laughs> he has done such damage. I once said that I was speaking to the corner of his students in. He never said, well, I've no idea, it was a long time ago. But um, I was speaking to the corner of students in, um, um, in London, and I said that if he's in heaven. Rottily, but one of them from the back row shouted out, and if necessary, use hands. <laughs> <laughs> Whether or not he says it, it is 
not true. We witness with words and works. I would also like to say, and I genuinely believe this, I'm not just making a little extra point, we witness with writing, whether it's in tracts or books, or you writing a postcard sharing something of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ, or a letter to your granny, or your nephew, or your cousins telling what's happened to you, how you've become a Christian. Writing is a very powerful way of communicate, communicating the gospel. If you use Facebook, or you tweet, or you email, speak about the Lord Jesus. These people, they were very zealous. Here, Peter at Pentecost, he is full of passion and zeal for the people to whom he's speaking. Stephen, he's about to be stoned to death and he's preaching about Jesus. Paul before Felix, pleading with him to trust the Lord. Let me quote some words from R. Kent Hughes, um, American pastor, now retired. He speaks about a benevolent warfare that we're involved in as Christians. Jesus' words are a call to zeal. And zeal, further, passion, urgent and loving service, is the medium by which the spiritual war is waged. Whether we are at home or making our way to the ends of the earth, we are people of one thing, seeing one thing, caring for one thing, living for one thing, to please God. And whether we live, whether we have health, whether we have sickness, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, whether we get honour, whether we get slain, our deepest desire is to please him. And what does he want? That we should be witnesses. So it involves God. He gives us his Holy Spirit. It includes us. But finally, it does incorporate the whole world. Jerusalem to all Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. It involves our community our county, our country, our continent, to the uttermost ends of the earth. Interestingly, in Acts chapter 6, I have to erase, sorry, in, 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 Act, um, in the book of Acts, there are six progress reports. Uh, I'll race over them, but just note down the text. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. The word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Now the gospel has spread to Palestine, and Stephen has been martyred. And we read, the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria were multiplied. And in Acts chapter 12, verse 24, Paul has now been converted. Saul converted, become Paul. Cornelius converted. The church is extended into Antioch. And we read, the word of God grew and multiplied. Acts chapter 16, verse 5. Now there was preaching throughout Asia Minor and Galatia, and we read, so the churches were strengthened in their faith and increased in number daily. Acts chapter 19, verse 20. Now the gospel has gone into Europe and the great Gentile cities of Europe, and we read, so the word of God grew and prevailed mightily. And then finally, when Paul is in prison in Rome, Acts chapter 28, verse 31, he was preaching the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ quite openly and unhindered. So there is the instruction, there's God's strategy, there's God's agenda, and as the book of Acts unfolds, we have this progress report as to how things are going. Now, as Peter said yesterday, and I think we're all very conscious of this, we are living in days, in the last ten years or so, of tremendous secularism and the indifference 
became antagonism to the gospel, and now is becoming open hostility. I'd love to talk more about that, but that's a different subject for another time. But I think we're all aware of that. But let's not be intimidated into silence. We are to be witnesses. At work, even if we lost our job, we're still to be witnesses. We've got to be wise, but we're to be witnesses. In our community, in our home, we are to be witnesses. I long that throughout my, the whole of my life, I wish I'd been converted younger, but I don't know how long I live, but to the very last breath, I want to be speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you know, sometimes I, I struggle with dark times in my mind, and I remember not that long ago, just writing in my little book where I write these thoughts, well, even if I go to hell, and I know I won't, I am the Lord, don't worry, but even if I go to hell, I want to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ in hell. Now, I won't. But the passion of our heart is to witness to this altogether loving act of God. He has loved us so that he's not only created us and seen us dare to defy him, but he's come into the world and gone to the cross and carried the abhorrent sin of the world on himself. And sin is awful to God. We, we get used to it. Not him. And yet it was all laid on him, the filth of the world. And he loved us and gave himself for us and was buried and rose from the dead. Can I just very quickly end with some practical points about witnessing? Note them down, we can chat later on, I'll be up by my heartless friend there. First, recognize you are a witness. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, you are to be a witness to him. Secondly, every day, before you go out, just pray, Lord, would you lead me to somebody today with whom I can share something with Jesus? Seek to speak to somebody each day about Christ. Third, look for people. Look for opportunities. If you're in a shop and there's no queue behind, or a garage and there's nobody waiting, or you're standing next to somebody, and be, just look for the opportunities where you can say a word. I just, well, this is my fourth point, just talk. Now, some of us find it easier than others, and if you live in Yorkshire, it's perhaps easier than if you live in Surrey, but just talk. You know, you don't normally just stand in a queue in Yorkshire and not talk to your next door neighbor. What a miserable... Socially inept thing these southerners have adopted for themselves. But anyway, in Yorkshire, we do just talk to people. And uh, just talk. Talk about anything. Everything. But, but look for a way. I'll, I'll give you a couple of things I often use. Oh, it's interesting you should say that. I, I was in church here the other day. I don't know if you go to church. I love going to church. In church, our vicar said, da 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 da, whatever. Oh, oh, it's interesting you should say that. I was actually reading the Bible the other day. I don't know whether you read the Bible. I love reading the Bible. But you know, I read these words, but not so love the word. And I find that's a nice way in. You can turn anything from that into a spiritual conversation. Recognize you are a witness. Pray each day. Look for people to talk to. Just talk. And then witness about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I would go one step further, if I may, because sadly I think so many churches are failing when it comes to evangelism. I'm talking about anything and everything. There are some wonderful exceptions, don't misunderstand, but, but so many do fail. Form or at least become part of an evangelistic group of people who have a regular strategy for getting out the gospel. 
So Jesus, speaking for the very last time before he ascends and goes back to his Father, says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, which he has, you know, we're Christians, he's come upon us. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, or Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Whatever the cost, whatever the consequences, we're to get this message out about Jesus. Let me end with this little illustration. True one, it happened in New Jersey some years ago, off the coast of New Jersey. A liner was in great difficulty, not that far off the, the, the coastline, but it was a terrible storm. Coast Guards got together their equivalent, I don't know what it ever would be, but the Royal National Lifeboat Institute equivalent. And uh, an old, tired seaman was in charge, but the, the crew comprised really newer people, most of them quite young and untested. And when one of these young men understood the situation, that this were the terrible conditions, the tide was going out the wrong way, the wind was blowing the wrong way, etc. This was, this, this was dreadful. He turned rather white-faced and said to the captain, Sir, the wind is offshore, the tide is running out. We can't go out. We can't go against the wind and the tide. We, we'll never come back. And the grim old captain faced the young man and just said, Launch the boat. We go out. And as he did, the young man turned and interrupted, But, sir! And the old man replied, We don't have to come back. But we do have to go out. And we do. And it may at this moment be very challenging in our society. But nevertheless, the Holy Spirit has come upon us. We're Christians. And we're to be witnesses to our neighbours and to all nations. On the beaches, in our workplace, with our friends, in the neighbourhood, and who knows, perhaps much further afield. Amen. Amen.